Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is Conquering Stress. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hello everyone, this is Roland. The program is Shedding Shackles. Now, in its 33rd year on the air, talking about stress and how to not only cope with stress, but overcome stress. We have to overcome stress. Overcome stress to have victory over stress. Do you understand that that is meant literally? We were told to overcome evil with good. That's what the Apostle Paul, I believe, said for us to do. Christ was the greatest stress management expert of all time. No one can hold a candle to him. No one living now or ever in the past could hold a candle to him. And what did he tell us to do? He gave us all the clues that we need to conquer stress. But most of us are not able to conquer stress. What do we do? We succumb to stress. We succumb to stress by reacting to it, becoming irritated by it, becoming angry at it, becoming nervous about it, becoming fearful of it, or becoming excited by it. We react to stress. We give up our life. We give up our energy. We exchange our life force for a moment's pleasure. Isn't that what it boils down to? And pretty soon, everything around you represents the original temptation that you did not overcome, but which overcame you. And so everything represents the fact that you succumbed to the initial temptation. And now everything around you, whether it's the food in your refrigerator, what you watch on television, the music you listen to, the things you look at. So everything is a temptation and then you use it. Since you fell to it, you succumbed to it. You were overcome by it. You were bested by it. Now all you can do is try to make the most of it by deriving what uh, pleasure or what judgment value you can get out of it or resentment value. So someone overcame you. And then the only thing left for you is uh, judging them and resenting them. By resenting them, you can lord it over them in fantasy land. In fantasy land, you can lord it over them, but in reality, you fail. You fail to have love. You fail to have patience. You fail to have understanding. And so now every piece of candy, every cigarette, every drink, every football game on television, every word that you hear, everything that you see, represents or reminds you of some temptation to which you fell and continue to fall. So, you were not meant to fall. You were meant to overcome temptation. Now, Christ gave us the clues. And not only that, but he overcame all temptations. 
He overcame all stresses. He even overcame the last one to which most people give in. He overcame death itself. He took his body back, and he rose from the dead. He overcame it all. So, now, if I was going to look to anybody for advice on how to overcome stress, and look at what your stresses do. They ruin your relationships. They ruin your health. The stresses to which you fall and fail. They ruin your life. They ruin your finances, too. If you can't say no to that lottery ticket, you can't say no to that trip to the casino. You can't say no to that thing that, that you buy that you don't really need. And so, yeah. So I think I've made my point. So he gave us some clues. I'm a man with a microphone, so I, people ask, no, I don't have a church. I do not have a church. I'm just a person, and I open my mouth and I talk. And if what I say strikes a responsive chord, then that's good. So now let's take a call. That would be a good way to start today's program. With a call, here's a call from Greg. Greg, I'm San Leandro. My question is this. What does it mean when your conscience is seared? God bless. That's a good question. Paul talks about a seared conscience. Yes, he said many, many people will have a seared conscience. What does he mean? Well, for example, if you have, um, I guess you have a cow, and you want to put a brand on it. You know how the cowboys put a brand on the cow too, so that it can be identified as belonging to that particular ranch. So they put some kind of a brand on it. But when they brand it, I guess what it does is it burns the skin, but it also burns the nerves. It burns them off, I guess. So that there's a scar tissue, but then the scar tissue becomes kind of um, dead to feeling, insensitive. That's what it is, insensitive. You know how scar tissue can become insensitive? I guess the nerves were damaged or cut off or burned off or something. And so that's it. So insensitive. So a seared conscience means that you are no longer sensitive to conscience. Now let's talk about that. That's not good. It's not good. Because the way to overcome stress... See, I'm coming back to stress again. The way to overcome stress is to put into practice, to live the things that Christ told us. But if you're not sensitive to conscience, then you will not sense those moments when you must forbear, forbear to use Forbear to become angry. Forbear to become impatient. You have to forbear. But when you're not sensitive to conscience, then you won't even realize that it's one of those moments. And then you will go ahead and you'll get angry. You'll get upset. You'll become judgmental. And then afterwards, what? Then you feel empty and you feel guilty. Wait a minute. You feel guilty. 
Hmm, well, that means your conscience is not totally seared if you feel guilty. It was seared temporarily. You were insensitive to conscience temporarily when you became angry or excited. When you were overcome by some uh, external demand to which you responded without patience. But then afterwards you felt guilty, but then what did you do? You, you got rid of your guilt by blaming or by escaping into something, into music, into entertainment, into food, into cigarette smoke, into alcohol, into marijuana. So you escaped. And that's the way you anesthetize your conscience. You anesthetize yourself. You sear your own conscience. But then eventually the day comes when your conscience is so seared. In other words, you are insensitive to it. You are so insensitive to it that... Have you ever known somebody that had an affair? They were married, and they had an affair, and somehow they found a way to not pay attention to what they knew in their heart, and they went ahead and had it anyway. But for quite a long time, they found a way not to be sensitive to their conscience. Now, they may have known at some level, they knew they were doing something wrong, but they didn't know it deeply enough, deeply enough so that it turned into action. See, well, what did what did it say in the Bible? Faith without works is dead. Do you understand? So if you if you know something, then you also have to do it. If you don't really see, how does that how does that go? Remember, Einstein said something like, "If you can't explain it, then you don't really understand it." Well, if you can't follow up on what your conscience would have you to do, then you don't really, are not really following your conscience, are you? So it's mysterious how people can have a seared conscience. But it gets worse and worse. And somewhere in the Bible, somewhere in the Bible, God said, I will not always strive. There may come a time when he no longer strives. He's always there. With his conscience that he gives you is always there. And it, it's always making you aware when you did something that wasn't quite right, when you were mean, when you were impatient with your child, when you resented your wife, when you made a, an excuse, when you could have helped someone and you turned your back on him. It's always there. But you ignore it. But there may come a time when God will not strive. And he will leave you with your delusions and your pleasures, which become pains. And then you're bereft. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. So now you've had a seared conscience. And yeah, all these ways we sear our own conscience. We become insensitive. We use alcohol. We use drugs. We use marijuana. We use entertainment. We even use the lies of people around us. We dress nicely and act nicely and talk nicely and we go hang around with nice people and we, and we fool them into thinking that we're nice and that we use their, the mirror of their looking at us and liking us and admiring us and telling us we're nice and everything. We use that to deny the truth. Do you understand? So you got to knock it off. You have to knock it off and become more sensitive to your conscience again. Become like you were when you were a little child. 
long time ago, when you did something wrong, you were very, you knew it immediately. If you got angry at your mommy, you immediately felt bad. It was so beautiful. You have to become that way again. So now you understand what a seared conscience is. It doesn't mean that um, the conscience itself is damaged, but it means that you you become insensitive to it. Insensitive to what you know is right in your heart. It's that simple. So you don't want to be that way. So, can the process be reversed? Yeah, fortunately it can be. All you have to do is to start figure out how to pay attention to your conscience and then stay with it. Don't escape from it. Stay with it. Cut back on your distractions and your entertainments. Cut, don't lie anymore to yourself or to anyone. Be a regular person. Don't put on airs. Don't resent anyone. And... Sit quietly and get out of your thoughts where, see, in your thoughts you can be king or queen and you can lord it over everything in your thoughts. So get out of your imagination and come back to reality. Okay? Very good. All right, so we're talking about stress reduction. So you understand then what stress reduction is. I have given you a clue and the clue is if you always were very close to your conscience and you didn't stray from it, then you would not fall to temptation. See? And if you did not fall to temptation, you would not become a slave of it and subject to it. And if you didn't fall to temptation, you wouldn't feel guilty anymore or anxious, and so you wouldn't need your marijuana and your entertainment and your music and everything else anymore, and you wouldn't need your excess food and your your lies and uh, your imagination to hide in and everything else. You wouldn't need those anymore. And so you would be even more aware and even more closer to your conscience. And then you could become aware of very subtle temptations that by not falling to them, by not falling, you would overcome them. See, doesn't it often say in the Bible, Paul often says, you know, to run the race and win the prize, you have to persist. Christ told us also, didn't he, to persist to the end. So you can't go along and then uh, throw in the towel somewhere along the line. You have to persist to the very end. And how do you do that? Remain close to your conscience to the very end. And say no to temptation along the way, all the way up to the very end. And if you fall, then immediately admit it. Immediately admit it. Don't try to do anything about it. Don't try to save yourself. Don't try to make yourself look good. Don't put on a show for God. Just quietly admit it. And let your conscience have its way with you for a little while. That's it. Then you'll be close to your conscience again. Do you understand? If you have a question or need advice, call the Listen Call-In line at 510-455-8851. That's 510-455-8851. Now, it seems so simple. 
All you have to do is not fall. That's all. But didn't Paul say, beware he who stands? Don't take pride in it, lest you fall. So I think you, uh, I think you got the idea. So you want to be close to God and ask him for help. See, he can help you. He can help you. Stand back from the imagination. Stand back from appeals. Now, here's the other thing you have to understand. People use other people. See, a long time ago, let's say when you were a child, someone was, uh, someone did a number on you. They converted you over to them and you worshipped the ground they walked on. Maybe you still do. And they made you to feel like, well, I'll give you a typical example. A lady hates her husband. She hates her husband and eventually, but maybe he's not so bad. Maybe he's just a regular guy, but she hates him. And so what she does is convert the child over to her. She, with her tender mercies, gets the child on her side. And ever so subtly, see, the child being close to her will pick up on her thoughts and her emotions. And ever so subtly, the child will think that dad is no good. And the child might even begin to think that he hates his own dad. And she has the child cling to her. And she gets her revenge on the husband that, he, that she hates by winning the child over to her. But then years later, sometimes the child, when the child is an adult, the child thinks back and says, you know what? I hated my dad, but you know what? He really wasn't such a bad guy. Now I realize he wasn't so bad. I don't know what I hated him for. Well, it wasn't really your hate. It was her hate in you. But anyway, so she had you totally bamboozled. And then you go out in life and then you meet other people that are just like her. And to them who are just like her, you either... Worship the ground that they walk on, or you use them to mother you and to comfort you and to soothe and take away your pain. See, the way she took away your pain. You had pain, pain for hating your dad. She took it away. See? So you use other women that way, you men. Or you resented your mother, for example. You resented her because you saw what she was up to or you resented her because she hated you. See, there's another thing. And the reason I'm saying mother is because dad's usually not there. Dad's often a non-factor. He, he's there, but he sits in the living room and doesn't say anything. Or there's been a divorce and he's gone. So a lot of times he's gone. How many single parent families are there out there? And most of the time, it's the mom. So that's why I'm using that as an example, because it's typical. It could be the other way around, but I'm just using it as an example. So now I lost my train of thought. I was talking about uh, about using... Uh, oh, yes. So then, so let's say you hated your mom for some reason. Then you go out through life, and then there are other people who are like your mom, or they look like your mom, or they act like your mom, or they just happen to be a lady like your mom was. That's their own... Only thing they've done is, only wrong thing they've done is not even wrong. They just happen to be a lady. So then what do you do? Then you can hate them. You can judge them. You can watch for them to do something like she did and then hate them for it and, and judge them for it. You see? So you're using them. So they're not really the temptation. You're using them as a temptation. Do you understand? 
So we go through life and we use other people. Maybe you had a dad and he wasn't so good and you hated him. And then you marry a husband and lo and behold, he's like your dad in some ways and then you can hate him. But by hating him, you can puff up. Puff up and feel superior with a superior hate to the beast that you married. You see what I mean? So you're using him. So people use each other. So they go through life and they use other people. See, the, the real temptation, the real temptation, the one that started the whole thing, see, the one who maybe was truly cruel to you, that person is long gone. Now, there are just regular people around and you use them and hate them and take advantage of them as if they were the one who did it to you in the first place. And even the one who did it to you in the first place, you know what? The real temptation was what was operating through them. Something spiritual, something dark, something hellish was operating through them. It was a dark intelligence. And it knew how it got to you, and it got to you. But it used them, so they were being used. So the one you hate was being used. Now you go out in the world, and you use other people. And who gets away with it? Who's the one? Who's the mastermind behind it all? It's the devil. The devil himself. He uses people, and then we use people. So what are you going to do? Stop using people. Don't resent people. Don't resent anyone anymore. See now that they're, that whoever they are, they're probably not even guilty. They just happen to look like the person you hated. And even the one you hated, they were being used, so don't hate them. Don't resent anyone. Don't use anyone. Go about your business as a mom or a dad or a student or whatever you are. Live a simple life. And don't lie to people. Don't take advantage of them. If you can do a kindness, do it. If you can't, then that's okay. But just don't hate people. And that's what God said. That's what Christ said. And then you will be able to be closer to your conscience. And God will reward you for not hating other people, for not resenting them, for not using them, by forbearing, forbearing to use them. God will reward you. He will reward you. You'll feel, you'll sense his love, his love for you. For not hating other people. You understand? Now, I had a good question that came in on the Isner call in line from Jeremiah. Let's hear the question right now because it's very pertinent to this discussion that we're having about not hating other people. Here's the question. Hello, this is Jeremiah calling, and I have one question I see in. First John chapter 4, there is, For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, Whoever loves God must also love his brother. I find it very difficult to love everyone. Some people are either irritating or do something that I don't care for much, and so my question is, what is meant by uh, love? Could you talk more about uh, what that involves? 
and what should be done in order to have love. Thank you. Perfect timing because if you've been listening to this program, now you know what love is. It's not hating. It's not using. It's not taking advantage. It's not using another to puff up and judge them. We love by not hating. We love by not using. And if another person is imperfect, you know, we're surrounded by imperfect people, then you can instead have perfect love. Perfect love by not hating, by not using, by not judging. Do you understand? It's very simple. And if another person is making a mistake, and it's appropriate, you might be able to say something. You might be able to say, here, let me help you. I can see where you're making a mistake. And you help them. And maybe they will accept your help, and maybe they won't. Maybe you can give them a little piece of advice, and maybe they won't like it, but you're telling them the truth, you're being honest with them. You see? And that also is an aspect of, of love. So I'm going to say it, young people, don't resent your parents. Don't resent anybody. Yeah, maybe they did you wrong. Maybe maybe they're, they're not saying a good example for you. Maybe they're mean. See it, but don't resent them. Don't resent them. Because if you don't resent them, then you'll be safe. You will be able to grow to be your true self, and you will be able to find all the blessings that are available. But if you're resentful, it blocks you. Christ said, forgive others. He said, if you, if you can't forgive the person that you can see, then how can you find your Heavenly Father who you can't see? You have to forgive other people. And now you know what forgiveness is. It's don't resent them. So it's all very simple. We love by not hating. We love by not using. And thereby we receive God's love. He loves you for not... You see, other people are created in his image and likeness. There's the dignity. So when you see somebody, maybe they don't look so good. Maybe they've had a difficult life and they're all distorted and they're all messed up. And they do odd things and so on. But don't hate them or resent them. That's what Christ told us to do. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, I'll see you then. Bye-bye.
You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is SheddingShackles.com. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.